Welcome to Puck Talk CS. I'm Chavs alongside Steve, NY Rangers. What a time to be a New York Rangers fan. Not even a week ago, six days ago, the Rangers traded for Vladimir Tarasenko. This was after the game of the season against the Calgary Flames. They turn around, they destroy the Seattle Kraken, who have played some solid hockey out of a tough, div- a, a weak division this year. And then they turn around and Artemi Panarin puts up four goals. He hangs four beautiful goals on the Carolina Hurricanes divisional rival. We'll get right into that. Steve, how are you doing? Oh, my God, Charles. I'm doing great. What a time for the Rangers. Uh, I mean, this is probably one of the best. Our last weeks were probably the best weeks uh, of the season, you know. So I'm ready. Let's jump right in. Let's talk some puck. Steve, let's start with last week. So there was so much to unpack. I think it's really been discoursed a lot on the internet. Uh, There's so many modes and mediums that I'm sure our viewers, our listeners have listened to, have watched, right? I think I watched Tarasenko's first goal like a hundred times and I took him. I'll say that I took him. But overall last week, you, you defeated a Calgary team that should be playing better. You know, you brought up how Huberto... Like, I forgot he was on the team. And this is coming from someone who's locked into the NHL. Like, this is not a sport that's secondary to me. And I was like, wow, the fact that I didn't recognize Huberto was even on the ice says something about how their season's going. Very mid. But they win. Jacob Truba, again, is at that center fold. Since December 5th, I don't know the exact number. Like, I would have to pull it up on my phone real quick. But I believe they have 20-plus wins since then. I think it's like 20-something wins since the helmet toss from Truba. So he's been like a, a – he helps turn the page, it seems. And I think this is where we see his leadership come into, come into play uh, is he drove – the, he was that motor that got things going against Calgary. It allowed a player like Alexi Lafreniere the opportunity in a big game with your home crowd behind you to score the game-winning goal. I think it gave the the players that jump. Then you acquire a player that automatically makes your bench deeper, has clicked with the top line, and his great friend Panarin. And Artemi Panarin just stated in an interview with Molly Walker for the New York Post, that he feels like he's on a new level after it seemed like Monday's game against Calgary was the game of the week. I think that game of the year, my apologies. I would argue the game in Carolina was because the New York Rangers had a very similar play as they did in the playoffs. Like they got out shot, but Halak stood so tall. He has the first Rangers goaltender to put up a seven-game win streak since Lundqvist in 2014. So he's completely turned the ship around for himself, for the team, backstopping the team to a big victory, big saves on Marty Natchez, Sebastian Ajo. I thought Miller did an awesome job. I, I broke it down on Twitter, but wrapping up uh, Sebastian Ajo, getting the puck, sending Panarin on a breakaway. Panarin finally shooting the puck. I mean, I don't think I've seen goals like this from him since his his debut season. Overall, between the Truba hits, 
that character on the ice. I feel like this is what we felt last season down the stretch where like Andrew Kopp just like lit the Islanders up for a natural hat trick. Games like that where it's like, who's stopping us? And I think that's what it's starting to feel like in the locker room. I think you're seeing it with the players. There's an excitement. Like Tarasenko's first goal, the garden erupted. Not only that, Zibanejad is on a heater too. He had, he had five goals last week. That wasn't even on my mind. So I think there's a the the on paper the statistics and that feeling that that gut feeling all going last week probably the best week of hockey we've seen since last spring I would say no doubt there's right no doubt about that Tavs let's not sleep on that game against Seattle I think that was mm-hmm. that was a big game because coming in Seattle's been a red hot team you know they've they've proven that they could win and win big against a lot of tough opponents and that game was just outstanding because the Rangers came out and they come out swinging I mean you see Tarasenko coming out and scoring Kako Trocek Truba everybody coming through Zibanejad you mentioned putting one in he had one of the power play I believe I mean that was just a dominant performance you know and when you have you know you take performances like that you take perform come from behind wins like the carolina game you take the calgary game where it's like a fast-paced game back and forth i mean you really got a piece of everything last week i thought it was great you know and going back to calgary you know that wasn't the last we've seen of them you know we'll get a there'll be another shot this weekend going back to Calgary. And again, this is not the same Calgary team we've seen in the last few years. And I think, you know, uh, Halak will, will go will go up against either Edmonton or Calgary this weekend, another back-to-back weekend slate. I like that. I, I'm kind of with that. I like, I'm liking these back-to-back uh, slates, especially when you win. It's fun. Um, but how about let's start off with tonight. I mean, the one game that we did not touch upon for, for in terms of last week's slate was the game against Vancouver. And we we talked about it before. We talked about how bad Vancouver struggled with defense. We talked about how bad they struggled with goaltending. Vancouver actually did a really good job last week. Even though the Rangers won 4-3, Vancouver did a really good job of hanging in there. And this is a really, really big question mark because now the Rangers had the last three days off. You know, there's always that question of, you know, when you're on a roll, you want to keep it going. And, you yeah. know, we've seen teams before all season long, when you have three or more days off, come back, just not play at that same intensity. However, I think Vancouver is a good opponent to playing coming off three days rest. Now, listen, Chives, Van- I think Vancouver for tonight, for tonight's game, Vancouver is just, they have to be the most inconsistent team in the league this year. I mean, they are just, awful i mean playoffs is out of the question for them you just don't know what you're getting with this team you know you take a look at it a few nights ago you know they could they could keep keep, keep you uh, hanging the game and, and give you a run for your money as they did with the rangers last week they played a really good game against the devils last week and of course they played a really good game against the islanders too um but then the night after that they got smoked by the red wings twice blowout it wasn't even close so this is a team that really is just inconsistent again i'm gonna say the same things that i said last week the first uh 15 minutes of the game is going to be critical because you will know (laughs) if vancouver is on their game or if they're not on their game you will tell it is obvious again this team that 
when you struggle, and I'd like to point out that Vancouver in the last six games has given up five or more goals. When you when you give up goals like that, I mean, that's just detrimental to a defense. And not only that, but a defense that really up to this point uh, is just struggling. You know, they, they're losing. You take a look at this Vancouver team, you know, teams like Nashville, teams like St. Louis have kind of been able to turn it around and, and, and build some ground between Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver has just been terrible. Now, Vancouver is home. They they played a little bit better uh, at home. So we'll see. Chives, what do you got for us tonight? Yeah. The Rangers have 21 wins and have not lost a game. They're the number one team that when they score four goals, four or more goals, they win the game. And if Vancouver's given up five goals a game, that seems like kind of out of the question right now. I think something that you definitely want to observe if you're on the Rangers side of things is they they were played well by the Canucks. And they were played well by the Flames. I think we shouldn't put on the rose-colored glasses just because of the full week last week because of the Tarasenko acquisition. Not Debbie Downey. But they were they did blow the lead to Calgary. Now, granted, it was a controversial goal. You know, you got the whole shebang with that, the whole theatrics. But they did, were played well by the Canucks. The Canucks hung in there. I think... Canucks playing on home ice, that may have an effect on that. Last time the Rangers went on their West Coast trip, that was the only time last season, aside from losing in the conference final, that they lost three games in a row. And it didn't go well. They were up 2 nothing. Panarin scored a goal. He was cold. Zibanejad scored at the time. He was cold. They were up 2 nothing going into the third period. It was like, all right, they're going to kick it into high gear. And they didn't. They lost in overtime. So I do think they'll probably hang in there. Now, I think the Rangers' rest isn't of concern. And the reason why I say that is because Tarasenko and Mikola will now, they flew out, had a little bit of rest. Granted, it's away, but now they're surrounded by all their new teammates. Get to know them a little better. Two full days of practice. You get to know your teammates better, how they pass the puck, how you're receiving pucks, how you're getting to the inside of the ice. You're playing new players in practice. You're getting used to new things from a player that was on a team for 11 years. And a player in Vladimir Tarasenko that since 2015 has nine goals and 14 points against Vancouver, six multi-point games. So I think he'll perform well. I think the team will perform well. And I don't think the rest will be an issue. Steve, my question for you, out of all the matchups that are coming up, which is the most threatening? Ooh, I think no doubt the answer. I mean, this week we have uh, three games this week. Next week we're back to four. Mm. Um, but in terms of this week, of course, it's got to be the Edmonton game. Um, mm. Of course, uh, to me, uh, Vancouver just does not scare me. Uh, I'm not scared of Vancouver. This team is obviously fluke. And they just not playing well. Uh, I'm not afraid of them. I'm also not afraid of Calgary because, again, this team is also fluke. I've been watching, and I'm just, I mean, Jacob Markstrom, Jonathan Huberdo, even Kadri a bit, just fluke. All of them. Mm -hmm. no, nobody's playing well. They got beat up by the Blackhawks a few games ago. It just, it's not going well out of them. So 
I'm going to have to circle that game Friday night against the Oilers. I think mm. that's going to be a really interesting matchup. Uh, you, you take a look at it. Evander Kane has been red hot as of late. Uh, and not to mention, you know, McDavid and, and Dresidel are always, always red hot. And Stuart Skinner's not played uh, bad as of late. You know, he's been he's been average, but he's not been playing, you know, out of his game. So I think to me that's the the interesting question. The Rangers going on the road, and to point out, you know, the Rangers have been a really, really, really good road team. Really good road team. Really effective on the road as well as playing Western Conference teams. You know, the Rangers have really thrived playing Pacific teams this year. Rangers have played really, really well. So I'm gonna have to say that Friday night's game in Edmonton, late game. I think that's the matchup to watch. What about you, Chives? Do you agree? Yeah, well, post-COVID, the Rangers have struggled against the Oilers. Off the top of my head, I can recall there was a game, I believe November, was when things were really bad in New- you know, for the Rangers this season. They're wearing their liberties. I think they went up like 3 nothing or something, or 3-1, to 4-1, to and then they lost. And that was the dry sidle. He knocked Truba's stick away, and like he wasn't even challenged to a fight. He wasn't even challenged. That annoyed me, and I remember that as a fan because I was like, I don't know when Drysaddle turned into kind of like that, like scummy type player where he's like an all star, but he's also doing like douchey things on the ice. Listen, it'll happen, right? It's hockey. He's on your team, you love it. But I do recall, like for Trubar captain, like you just gave up a goal, you lost the game in the final few minutes, completely collapsed in the third period. And, like, you're taking that. I remember that. Now, things have turned around because then very soon after it was the helmet toss, right? We lost to the Blackhawks on home ice. Like, it seemed like the ship was going down at 15-10. And I think it was, like, 15-10 and 6. We were bad. The Rangers were bad. Steve and I are always good. But I think the reason I'm concerned is because we were in Edmonton. The Rangers were in Edmonton. Steve Sandler. Rangers were in Edmonton. They blew a lead and they lost on that McDavid goal. We've the Rangers have struggled against the Oilers. They've struggled since the COVID season where they didn't play them. Coming into the rebuild, kind of coming out of the rebuild. And I think it's something to keep an eye on because no matter who's in that, if it's Chesterkin or Herlock, the Oilers are a very strange team to me. Historically speaking, they have two of the best players in the league year in and year out that have very limited support, but great center depth. And then also a goaltender that's like can keep them in games and can lose games. You know, I don't know exactly how to frame the team. There's no very distinct or cliche narrative to kind of frame it. But I think that with the threats of McDavid and Dry Subtle, like the Rangers will have their hands full. And for how well the defense is playing, we've seen that it's been high-scoring games against them. Granted, it's a small sample size, but that's a game I would watch. You know, Chives, I, I 100%, um, I know you're going to agree with this point, but as a fan, there's just a few games that you just, they leave a bad taste in your mouth, and you just remember it. Like, no matter how much time will pass, no matter how much you know, good memories come after it. You just remember that game, and I will just not forget that Oilers game, uh, where we go to we go to Edmonton and we lose whatever it was what was it four six five something like that, 
and Leandro Seidel wins it, you know, after the Oilers were down twice in the third period coming back. That game, and of course, Gorgiev just getting beat five-hole. I mean, that just, you know, that game just left such bad taste in my mouth. I, I just, that's one of the games that I will not forget. You know, there's just, we as fans, we all have those games. For me, that one game in particular, it's just one of them. So I'm not saying that, you know, going to Edmonton will be closure for that. It's just going into Edmonton winning will would be nice. I think... Uh, for me, I think you would start Shesterkin against Edmonton, and then you'd probably run Halak Saturday against Calgary. That's what I would do. I think that would probably be the most uh, effective way of, of throwing your lineup out there. I don't know if you agree with that. You know, I think there's some – some. I don't know the merit to Gallant system. We don't. And I love the way he approaches the media because I love the, I love the internet. So, you know, everyone, oh, he should be doing this. Everyone armchair GM it. You shouldn't do this because of this. I don't know when we got away from he's your backup goaltender that now is eight wins. Why should he not play against Carolina? Like, I understand you want Chesterkin in for the big matchups. Maybe he needed a day rest. We don't know what goes on in the player meetings, right? Anyway, aside from that, which, by the way, Hawk balled out. He he kept the Rangers in the game in the second period. For Far really? none, no doubt. <clears throat> Huge breakaway save on Natchez. That's one of those things I'll remember was a turning point. For not only, I think, to propel his, himself forward, but the team forward. <clears throat> and aside from Panarin's goals. Crazy, by the way. Like, I can't get over Panarin's outburst. But <clears throat> I thought he was the one player that didn't show up against Carolina in the playoffs. So I'm, I got to keep going. So your question was about starters. I think it doesn't matter. I think if Halak's in, they'll probably play a little bit harder. I call it the Longquist effect, right? Like there were some games sometimes where it felt like when insert backup here was in net, the team played harder against a team that they would struggle against. Now I do recall too, by the way, if you want a good measuring stick, the Rangers won two nothing in Carolina last season. Chris Kreider scored a deflection goal and they were outshot. It was like a crazy number. I think Georgiev set the New York Rangers record for saves in a shutout. And we were like, man, if we play this team in three months, we will not win. Like, we'll get smoked. And the Rangers came out victorious. So I think all in all, when a lot of these, like, narratives come up, I don't like to, like, just squash them for no reason. But in the beginning of the season, I'd understand. There were times where I was like, why is Halak even on the team? Now, all right, Calgary, Shesterkin, Halak takes Edmonton. The team will hang. Like, they'll perform. So I don't, I'm not worried about the goaltending situation in New York right now. And I think because of that, it allows you to play, you know, your chess pieces no matter how you want to play. Uh, Steve, do you think goaltending has any effect on the weekend? Uh, at this point in the season, no, I don't think it does. Again, like you said, Halak, Halak's in there. This team has to step up and play harder. I would say I would start Shesterkin, uh against Edmonton because we're kind of creeping. Trade deadline's going to be over before you know. We're going to be creeping towards the playoffs. You know, I, I want my best goaltender that's going to be leading us in the playoffs, playing those primetime matchups against the better team. 
But at this point, you know, Halak's playing at such an, uh, a great level. I, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I think I think Galant's going to roll Shesterkin out there on Saturday. But if Halak's the one that goes out there Saturday or uh, yeah, Friday against Edmonton, it's not going to bother me. I'll still feel confident either way. And listen, let's say the Rangers do lose against Edmonton. I'm confident the team will bounce back and, and take and beat down Calgary, you know, again on, on Saturday because – I just think that we're we're playing that mentality, and Cal- this Calgary Calgary team is is fraudulent. Chives, they are not they are not the same team they were last year. So, I'm I'm feeling pretty confident. I think that the Rangers have, uh, I think the Rangers have the edge tonight for sure, and I think the Rangers will have the edge on Saturday for sure. Friday night, I'll give Edmonton the edge. You know, home game, Connor McDavid on ice. Uh, this for some reason, this Edmonton team's got spark every time they play the Rangers. So um, I'll give the edge to them, to them on Friday. Um, but either way, I think this should still be a winning week. Um, fingers crossed. That's my guess. Now, Steve, I think the other Rangerland conversation right now yeah. is about Vitaly Kravtsov. So I think we don't, we peel the bandaid off. Discourse said enough. The internet's going ablaze. I'm not sure why. You got a 34-win team and you're worried about a top 10 draft pick number nine overall of 2018, that simply didn't pan out. I could stand on my soapbox. I've been replying and tweeting for days. What's your take on the Vitaly Kravtsov situation? He's requested a trade, and it seems he'll probably most likely be moved more so than he won't be. Yeah. Uh, listen, this is a big – this is a big – at this point, it's a headache, you know, and I think – why this is setting uh, Ranger fans a lot because this is ongoing drama. You know, this isn't something th- that's been, you know, a new development. You know, this has just been a headache for a while now. You know, he was taken in the top 10, you know, and think of the 2018 draft, you know, and mm-hmm. he, I mean, he was. I mean, he was cut in training camp. I mean, he decided to stay in the KHL. You know, he's been talking to the Russian media that he doesn't see a spot for him with this Rangers team. Uh, you know, he doesn't make the team out of camp last year. He refused to report to the AH, uh, the AHL. Um, and, and he's just been a headache, you know. And I, it's so obvious that, you know, he doesn't want to play for this team. And the, right now, the Rangers are a team contending for a Stanley Cup. You know, this is not the year to develop players at this time. And fortunately, there is no spot for him in this in this lineup right now. And I'm okay with that, Chives, because I think that, you know, it's clear acquiring Tarasenko and looking at this lineup right now, there is no spot for him. And I'm not interested in developing talent this year because I think this year is is a very promising year. I think it's our best opportunity uh, compared to other uh, other years. Um, and I listen, I think he's a top nine player right now, you know, no doubt. Um, but I just don't see him uh, being a fourth line player on this team. You know, I, I think he's, he's a good kid. He works hard. Um, you know, and then when the chance is available, of course, you're going to take advantage of it. Um, you don't give anything to anybody in this league, you know, you're going to have to earn it. Uh, and I think he's come such a long way. Um, but when it comes to putting the top nine forwards out there right now on this team, Chives, Kratzoff is not one of them, in my opinion. Yeah, I think here's where the problem is. I disagree with your point. 
respectfully about developing because I think it's important to develop players even when you're succeeding for the future. But those players will develop because you're succeeding. In Lafreniere, Kako, Heedle, Miller, Fox, Lindgren, Brayden Schneider. So one, throw the narrative that the Rangers can't develop players out of the window. Mika Zibanejad came over at 24. So he didn't come over with a 70-point season under his belt. He came over, got injured, had a 14-goal season, did well in the playoffs. The next season, boom, on a poor Rangers team, succeeded. And from there, just kept going up. Then recorded a 41-goal season. 20, must have been 26 or 7. Where is the narrative the Rangers can't develop players? I just named five. Chris Kreider's one of them. Also, draft player. Not everyone's going to pan out. Lee Sanderson didn't pan out. I understand he was maybe, God, what was Anderson? Seventh overall. Crabs held ninth overall of his respective draft. But if there's no roster spot, that's it. And I know you, you look and it's like, well, maybe he'll blossom. But it's like you have too many of those. You have three players that you need to sign in contract for this summer. Miller, Lafreniere, and Heedle. So now we're going to try and hold on to another player, trade him, gain an asset of any sort. Chris Drury's done a phenomenal job with trades. And that's about, like, I think the end of the argument is just, like, you could say he works hard. I mean, people really get into the weeds of things, and I think it's stupid. He could work really hard. He may kind of not. I mean, when Phil Heedle was sent down, he put his nose to the grindstone, and now look at him. So maybe he hasn't caught that stride. Maybe he didn't catch it because he only t- played in 28 games. But my argument said he played 28 games with the best passer in hockey. And he had three goals and three assists. Two of the goals came against the worst teams in the league. Columbus and the Chicago. I think at the end of the day, training for picks, you know, maybe he'll develop somewhere else. But at the end of the day, I just don't see why you break up the chemistry of the kid line, who's all developing together. He has no room on that second line. The first line's too valuable. He's not getting up. He's with Tarasenko, certainly not touching that. And he's not a checking line player. And you can't have an all listen, Steve. What's your what's where's your take on like skill and checking line? Because I know when Chris Drew came in, he said, I want every player to know the role before they hop over the boards. And that was the issue with Dave Quinn's team. I I think the way Galan has the system set up, I've personally bought in. You know, you need a Barkley Goodrow. I love, I love when the internet is like, why don't we get, why don't we keep crafts off? And like, it's like, have you watched the Stanley Cup playoffs? Like, you need Vincent Trocek. You need Chris Crowder. You need Barkley Goodrow. And guess what? If Kravtsov doesn't have a spot for his three goals and kind of poor defensive play, he gets rubbed off of every check. You're not taking Tampa. Brandon Hagel does all those things and then also scores goals. And he was not expected to. So what's your take on the whole roster conversation? Yeah, uh, um, I agree with you on that last point for sure. And again, you know, if the roster right now is really interesting because now you have guys like Jimmy Vesey who are having an awesome, awesome year fighting for a playing spot every night. So the roster is as ready, as tight as it is. There's just no room for Kratzoff. Now, obviously, I think 
you know, of course, we've always talked about the Rangers contract situation coming up in the summertime. You know, I think Kratzoff is going to be uh, an RFA, you know, with arbitration rights in July. And I think the Rangers want to avoid a messy contract negotiation uh, negotiation this summer. And I think I kind of you touched upon it, you know, um, with Kratzoff. I think the best thing is to trade him. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, Chives, I'm hearing sources, you know, uh, the around the league saying that he's not worth, you know, anything higher than a second round pick, you know, yeah. more likely a third round pick. So listen, if the Rangers are okay with that, I think I'd be okay with that as well. Again, I think he needs a fresh start and I think he's got to go to a team like, uh, I would say maybe Arizona, maybe Buffalo, Anaheim. You know, I think he's got to go to a team um, that really, you know, has nothing to play for. And I think that's where he'll develop the most. Um, again, like I said, the Rangers win a window to win the Stanley Cup is right now. So, I, again, I don't think they blew that crap open, man. Right. Like they just blew that shit blew open. wide open. I don't know if anyone who's listening is a, is a better, but the Rangers odds to make the Stanley Cup went up mega mega after the tarasenko trade and vegas um, knows they know um i also want to point out how about patrick kane now after seeing tarasenko coming over scoring a goal he comes out and says oh i want to be a ranger I- i'll come to new york i think it's fine i think that's funny now um and i actually i would not take him i know that we've said that We've said this, you know, before, but I would not take Patrick Kane right now. I saw that actually yesterday. I thought that was really funny. Um, and Toronto is also another team in the make, uh, in the making for Patrick Kane. Um, but I guess better them than us. Uh, I'm happy with Tarasenko. Um, in terms of the roster, um, again, I think. I mean, I, I like the way it's at right now. And, of course, you know, Drury would always love to add that fourth line uh, uh, securance for a deep playoff run. So, listen, if Kratzoff is what it takes to get one of those players, I don't think anybody should care, Chavs. You know, I think, again, it's all in mentality. God forbid somebody gets hurt. Um, you know, I think if we could just secure the bag for uh, another fourth liner, a physical fourth liner again you mentioned like that Barclay Goodrow type of player that physicality you know we don't have Ryan Reeves anymore one those players are so important we saw it last year against uh the Penguins that physicality in game five as soon as Sidney Crosby leaves the game first of all the physicality uh, the physicality uh caused Sidney Crosby to leave the game but that physicality ended uh turned around the course of the Rangers in the postseason. It's so important. I cannot, you know, emphasize that enough. Um, and again, if Kratzoff has to be, you know, has to be the dead weight to to get that piece, I'm all for it. Again, I'm all for developing players. Yeah, I'm not saying that they shouldn't, you know, especially when a team's uh a team's succeeding like this. But to me, I don't see Kratzoff going any uh, you know, Again, it's just been a messy situation from the start. And also, I don't like his attitude. You know, you mentioned Filipino, you know, when he when he was sent down. That's a completely different attitude than what Kratzoff's got. So that's my take on it, Chives. I, I don't know. And there might be a lot of other fans that disagree. But again, like I said, other teams don't see his potential that high. They're not giving a first rounder for him. You know, his his stock went down. Yeah, I think two things. One, just watch for the trade soon. 
Like, I think it'll happen soon. I saw some conversation that it might be, you know, with Vancouver and two. I mean, if Patrick Kane, if they were able to fit him in the cap, I would take him. But I know there was a hip injury and it didn't seem like Drury really, he chose his player. So I did think those comments were very interesting. And I love that New York starting to be a spot for free agents to come in. Yeah, of course. Who doesn't love that? Um, don't be surprised, though. I think I think there's still room for the Rangers to make. I don't think it'll be Patrick Kane, though. Um, uh, even though he won't be a landing spot for us, you hope he's not looking, you know, across the uh, across the island over here to New Jersey. You hope that's not a com- You hope that's not a possibility. Uh, but again, I think Toronto's looking out in big time, so it'll be interesting to see. Again, I don't think Patrick Kane is the same player in Chives. I agree. And with that, follow our social medias, Puck Talk CS underscore podcast. Follow our website and subscribe, pucktalkcs.com. You can subscribe using your email. Get every episode in your email once it's published. We're returning to Monday, Wednesday format. Follow us on our socials. We've been very active on Twitter, PuckTalkCS underscore podcast and our Instagram, both same name. Steve and I will be watching the Rangers, tweeting, Instagram, and doing the whole thing. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode and how we're moving forward with this Ranger podcast. Everyone, enjoy tonight's game, the weekend slate of games. We'll be back, we'll be back at it next week. And of course, like Ty said, even though we don't have weekend episodes, Follow the Instagram because you'll have all of our opinions and Twitter on there. Enjoy. And always remember, it's just the luck of the puck.